Ah, good morning. It is Wednesday, the 10th of January. Summer brekkie here on SEN, and we are here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Brighton's Lawyers. Good morning to everyone listening on the SEN 1170 here in Sydney as we fill in the chairs for Bossy and Brandy. And for the rest of the week, we welcome those of you listening on SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane. And of course, good morning to everyone else across the SEN network and on the app. Pick up the phone and speak with us on the Suncorp open line 1300 01 1170 and get your home storm season ready with Suncorp. That number again to call us 1300 01 1170. Today's guests, before I get to that, it's Trent Copeland speaking with you now, and it is Michael Carianis. Good oh, morning. Good morning, Copes. Oh, round of applause. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, it's a warm welcome. House favourite. Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see <laughs> what the text line says later. But, um, yeah, good to be here. Plenty of news around, so which is always good. There is. Well, speaking of the text line, Edgewater Homes text line 0457 736 736. You are... You ha- you have to be one of the favourites because the first text that flew in as we sat in the chair, woohoo, mix back. Glenn from the Rocks. Yeah, that ratio, that ratio will change throughout, <laughs> throughout the go. morning. Don't worry about yeah, that. We start getting into opinion and then <laughs> yeah. people will tell us what they really think. Uh, today's guest, Sydney Kings owner Paul Smith, will come in and chat to us. They've got a big double header coming up uh, with the Kings and the Flames. SEN tennis expert Brett Phillips. Racing Queensland's Chris Nelson and Mitch Abaya from Sportsbet. There's a lot of news around the place at the moment. Uh, if you can't listen live, by the way, catch up on the podcast. Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy is what you need to search on all of your favourite podcast platforms. Let's start with the cricket. We've been talking in speculative terms for what feels like two years yeah. on who's going to replace David Warner at the top of the order, Mick. We got a bit of word yesterday that it looks like it's going to be Renshaw in squad to cover all positions but not play, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Cameron Green that replaces David Warner, but he's going to be batting at number four, and it's Steve Smith at the top of the order. Talk to us. Well, when we had um, the opener lottery over the last couple of months, you know, it started what with Marnus going up, then Travis Head. Then Mitchell Marsh, and, and the player that wasn't spoken about in that current batting order was Steve Smith. And then towards the back end of, of the Sydney test, it emerged that, yeah, Steve Smith has an interest to, of opening. That changed the whole dynamic of um, how, how that batting uh, lineup would look because I don't think, like, I'm glad they're not opening with Cam Green. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think that would have been the best option. And if Steve Smith puts his hand up to say, I want to do this. Well, who are we to doubt that he can do it, um, yeah. given what he's able to achieve? I, it is rare for a player at the back end of his career to go up the order. Um, so I find that strange. But you know him better than most, Copes. Is it a, a way for him to test himself, rejuvenate himself, give him that that fight, I, I guess that challenge to, to extend his career potentially? Yeah, look, I think that's the first thing that comes to mind, knowing Steve Smith, the person, is he's always been, even back to the days where he was a kid, debuting for New South Wales, there's a ripper photo, actually, of he and Usman Kawaja uh, in the back page of the Daily Telly uh, in 2008. Mm. Uh, ben Horn and Robert Craddock doing a story there on when they last opened the batting together, uh, and it was in junior cricket. But he has always searched for something that he can improve. And it got, that goes as far as when he was a captain, 
I'm looking every over at what field change can I make to get ahead of the game. Uh, in this case, I don't think he needs it. Yeah. I don't think he's searching for something to reinvigorate. And I certainly, in my opinion, don't think he needs to. But do I expect him to dominate at the top of the order? Yes, I do. Mm. And I think anyone in that caliber of player, Bancroft, Marcus Harris included, against the West Indies will have done well. But the test comes when we play New Zealand away in a month's time. And then next summer, India at home. And then the Ashes the following season. So that's where, the I guess, the question lies on, is this a long-term solution? I think the answer on getting Cameron Green... The biggest fact of all of this, Cameron Green back into the Australian Test team is the answer that I think is the right one. Mm. Uh, let's take a listen, though, to Marnus speaking about uh, Steve Smith yesterday. I've got no doubt that he'll do a good job. He's excited for a new challenge. Um, if that motivates him and, and that gets um, the cricket world Stephen Smith for another two years or three years, I think that's a massive win. That's not a kick at all on Shield cricket. Cameron Green's also averaging 50-plus in Shield cricket. There's not many guys doing that. So I don't think that's a, you know, that's a, that's a tough comparison to make. He's got a sound technique, got a great defence, um, and I think that's the versatility that you need at, at number four. Interesting. Are you surprised by any of that? Not really. Not really. But I think Cam Bancroft cards have been marked. Yeah, maybe it has. I've seen a lot of talk in the last few days saying that it's going to be a slap in the face to the Sheffield Shield. How can we do this to Cameron Bancroft? He's been made a scapegoat. Look, think of that what you will. Mm. Cameron Green averages 50 plus in the Sheffield Shield. So whilst he hasn't done it, opening. Yeah. He's batted at four. He's batted at three, four WA for some time now. And he's been a class above. And that's why he played for Australia in the first place. So don't say to me that Cameron Bancroft is being disrespected by not being picked. That I, just doesn't fly. I'm a lot more comfortable now that Cam Green's going to bat in the middle order. Yeah. With the way that, with the way that it's all played out with Steve Smith opening. Um, because as, as I said before, if Steve Smith puts his hand up to open, well, why would you not allow that or give it to, to dabble in because they wanted to get Cam Green. And I think if Cam Green was going to open, I would have been like, well, I'm a little bit unsure of what that means for, for Cam Bancroft. Um, Marcus Harris just hasn't scored any runs, of, enough runs to, to push his case. And uh, Matt Renshaw, as you said, is in the test squad, will be in the test squad and has the flexibility to bat anywhere in the order in case things go awry. But um, yeah, I think it's a long road back now for, for Cam Bancroft. But... Who knows how long Usman Khawaja is going to bat for? Who knows how long Steve Smith yeah, going to bat for? This is not a, a long-term he-will-never-play-again mm. thing. And let's get one thing straight, right? Scoring runs or taking wickets in the Sheffield Shield does not owe you a position for Australia. It's your job. You should be scoring runs at domestic level to push your case. Yeah, Cameron Bancroft, Matt Renshaw, every one of these guys, Marcus Harris, need to just keep doing it because Usman Khawaja is the perfect example. When a spot does come up and your name is top of the list, you just got to be ready to go. So uh, Usman Khawaja is, what, 37? Mm. There's no way he's going to play till he's Tom Brady age. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like, just get ready. Be how, ready. How tough? Uh, you went through it too, right? Y- yep. You were taking wickets after wickets and then probably won't get in the chances in the Australian side that you would have liked to have, uh, have got. How difficult is it to stay motivated or, or what is the, the conversation like with, with the higher-ups? Um, to try and, and and keep you on course. 
Yeah, it's hard, but I think once you flip your mindset, I was also nowhere near the caliber of player that, yeah, I mean, these guys that are playing right now yeah. are the ones that replace me. Yeah. So Hazelwood, Stark, Pattinson, and Cummins. Mm. Um, you know, so you can hardly begrudge yeah. selectors and, and the team for going that way. And I was certainly nowhere near the caliber of player that they are. Um, but finding the enjoyment out of playing well, winning comps, and, you know, doing well as a team at domestic level is honestly what drives success and having yourself ready to go at the next level. And Cameron Bancroft, let me be clear on this. I'm not saying that he is not the right person, shouldn't do it. I think he's done a huge body of work. Marcus Harris has done the same over in county cricket. Matt Renshaw's done very well batting in different positions. And there's a few others that I think can be in the mix in the coming years as well. But in this moment, if Steve Smith wants to open and thinks that that will be a great result for Australia, the coaching staff and the selectors do too. I mean, Cameron Green is the perfect man to come in mm. in the middle order. And the other thing that comes with this is Mitch Marsh, whilst he has played every game since he returned in the Ashes, he's a day-by-day -day prospect in terms of his body. And I'm touching wood and hoping that, my God, I'm enjoying that guy You know, watching him play. Mm. But if he ever has to miss a game, Cameron Green already being a fixture in the team, they can play that off each other and make sure that we always have a healthy all-rounder Yeah, because it's so crucial to our team makeup. Anyway, we've got so much to talk about with cricket. Let's let's touch on that in a little while. But tell us your thoughts on the Suncorp open line. one 300 Have Australia got it right? Steve Smith at the top of the order. I, let's Let's park that for the moment. Let's talk big bash. Last night, oh, last night was one of those games where the Hobart Hurricanes have been there or thereabouts in terms of their success, but that particularly when you look at their list, Mick, I don't know how much Big Bash you've been watching, but as far as what they have on paper, incredible numbers. Uh, you know, their capacity is huge, but 165 for seven, and they were gone from the start. Mm. They lost their wickets in the power play, and Jamie Overton took two wickets in in one over. Ben McDermott was the saviour, 95 not out from 61 balls, uh, but the Adelaide strikers far too good and 168 for five. They did it in the 19th over, but honestly, it, it could have been done in 16 overs. They look like they were cruising and Alex Carey, the big dogs are back this week, uh, the Aussies, and, and he looked really good. And, and in my opinion, should be in the frame to replace David Warner at the top of the order in the ODI list, regardless of whether he's wicket keeping or not. Well, there hasn't been a lot of debate around that, has there? Who, who do you see as slotting in to, towards the top there, aside from who, who are the other potentials to replace David Warner in, in the 50-over game? Well, we just won a World Cup, and it was a really good formula they had. Travis Head is a fixture. He will stay there. Um, Mitch Marsh did it a little bit, but I think he's our long-term number three in white ball cricket. I think it's Matt Short, and he deserves it. On the back, of, he played in the game last night, 45 off 32 balls. I think he has got the body of work, player of the tournament in the BBL, regularly just putting up numbers and now doing really well around the world in the IPLs, things like that. Uh, so I think he's the name at the top of the queue. Um, but there's a few others that are in the mix. And Alex Carey, I think, falls into that Matthew Wade character mm. uh, sort of category where his best in white ball cricket is phenomenal. And if he's being overlooked for Josh Inglis as the wicketkeeper... 
uh, I, I wonder if he is still being considered at the top of the order, but he should absolutely be in the frame. And the reports yesterday looks like Lance Morris will, will get a game in, yeah. in, in um, the, the 50 over um, setup, which would be interesting. I haven't seen a lot of him. You would have seen a, a fair bit of him. What can we expect to see if he, if he takes on, uh, if, if he makes his uh, ODI debut? Speaking from experience, when I had a bat in my hand at the other <laughs> end, you can expect to see some blokes jumping around because yeah. it is not fun facing him. He's such a quietly spoken guy. You know, he's, he's very smiley and happy, uh, but my word, does he fire him down? One, like we're talking 150 plus. Definitely not the quickest I faced. But he's he's in that category where mm. it's genuine adrenaline running and fear. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah. It's not nice facing that. Uh, my my fastest ever was I was talking about this the other day because I asked Ricky Ponting and and Simon Kadich in the com box, you know, what were their you know fastest memories. Um, mine was a week stretch where I wish I could never have played cricket okay. before. Uh, it was a away game at the Adelaide Oval facing Sean Tate. Yeah, with a reverse swinging ball. There was genuinely, I faced about eight balls, didn't last long, uh, as I didn't very often with the bat. Um, there was about seven or eight balls that I didn't see. Genuinely yeah. did not. Not that I, oh, that was a good ball. No, didn't see it. Was that a, what, one day or a T20 Sheffield or a Shield, Shield game? Yeah. yeah, and reverse swing. And then we go to the Wacker and play against Mitchell Johnson. Mm. So that was not a nice week. Um, certainly wasn't putting my hand up to be a night watcher or anything like that. Uh, but anyway, that's an interesting one as well. Who's going to replace Davey Warner at, at the top of the order? Speaking of Warner, what about this? Yeah. Friday. It's a super smash, uh, the Sydney smash uh, at the SCG. Thunder versus the Sixers. Steve Smith, Davey Warner on deck, which is going to be unreal. But Davey Warner's brother's getting married. Mm. Allianz Stadium is likely to be used as a helipad for David Warner on Friday afternoon as he attempts to dash from his brother brother's wedding in the Hunter to make it in time to play for the Thunder in the big bash at the SCG. So how does it work in, in, in cricket? Right. Cause there's, there's a chance he doesn't make it right. Not as in yeah. he, he's late. We hope yeah. he makes it. But in terms of, of, of You're talking <laughs> safety reasons, let's hope the, the heli, yeah, the helipad's like there. In the NRL, you got to name your team an hour before kickoff. Yeah. All right. Team list in. What's the parameters here for, for cricket? Will mm. they hold a spot for, can they hold a spot just in case? Or what, what, how does it work? You do need to name your team. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a team list that changes hands at the toss yeah. or the bat flip as they call mm. it in the BBL. So I, the the answer is they'll have to be making a call, but I, I'm assuming that they're going to be having this happening, you know, well in advance of that. They'll know he's at least in transit. Yeah. Uh, they'll it, maybe this is the stuff that happens in fourth grade shires where you likely you win the toss and you choose to bowl because you know you're opening batters <laughs> at a wedding. He's had a few beers and he's coming late. Uh, Could you imagine? Uh, seriously. Uh, Davey's, uh, I mean, maybe we'll have a few beers before he gets to the ground. Yeah, uh, no. e either way, great to see all the legends uh, in the Aussie team fronting up in the Big Bash. Breakfast is powered by Kubota for over 40 years of being making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We're here for Brighton's lawyers unable to work due to injury or illness. Contact Brighton's lawyers Great news this morning, Mick. We've got lots coming through on the Edgewater Homes text line, 0457 736 736. And not all hosing us, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> There's not, some productivity not yet, there. Not yet. This is from Matt. 
Copes, all this opener talk is hiding the fact that Josh Inglis is such a better package than Alex Kerr in all formats. What do you think about him in the test arena? Yeah, I've seen him play a lot of Sheffield Shield cricket um, for WA over the years, and I think he's very much the product that we all think he can be. Mm. And certainly where this text is going, Matt, that he is the all-round package. He is a very good keeper. Uh, He's got the game and the foundation to be a good test player. I think Alex Carey is and has earned the spot, and his keeping in particular has been outstanding, Mm. including in the subcontinent where it's very difficult, in England where it can be difficult after the bat with swing. He's been really clinical up to the stumps. Um, And honestly, I think his batting is very, very good at the level as well. Uh, Whilst we probably haven't seen the best of it, uh, he looked somewhat back to his best at the MCG at Boxing Day. Um, yeah, so I think we're blessed, really, to have someone of the calibre of Inglis that is pushing Alex Carey to be his best self uh, and there, if anything, was to happen. How much pressure was Carey under in the back end of the series? Uh, I think probably more public pressure than there was internal pressure and reality um, of that selection pressure. But we've seen in recent times, had you asked me before the World Cup, was there a chance that Inglis mm. would replace him? Mid, mid-series mid and go on and play arguably one of the most important batting innings of the entire tournament in the semi-final, I would have laughed at you. Yeah. Not because Inglis isn't good. I think he's an incredible player. But you, you throw in Josh Philippi and, and numerous others uh, around the place and, and we've got a lot of keeping talent. It's great. Another question around Alex Carey from Daniel. It won't happen, but what if Alex Carey opens for test matches whenever the Aussies bat first? a different way of thinking from Daniel. Yeah, look, I don't think it will happen given the amount of talk about Marnus, Cameron Green and Steve Smith as potential options opening the batting. Uh, I think Carey would be probably seventh on the list and that's where he bats. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he's also, you know, very capable. Um, but I think he needs to be that, uh, as we've seen so often from Alex Carey in white ball cricket, the chameleon sort of guy batting at seven, that he's very good at batting with the tail. He understands run chases very well. Um, If it's needing to absorb pressure or lift the gear, he's very good at doing that. I think it's going to – the middle order is really interesting now in in this test side when you go from head, green, marsh, carry. So carry's role is going to come even more important for the long-term look of, of that batting lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things where there's no perfect scenario, but I think the, the great thing that Australia have found in Travis Head and Mitch Marsh playing with such freedom is that it takes the pressure off everyone else. Mm. You know, it, it, your scoring rate, you don't have to think about it. If you're struggling, Steve Smith batted something like 100 balls before he hit a boundary yeah. in Melbourne, but he was batting with Mitch Marsh. So the tempo of the game was fine. So I think... It, that's the other thing that people should remember when talking about Mitch Marsh and Travis Head's numbers. They might get out playing what most people call rash shots every now and then, but the stuff they bring to the tempo of the team without going full basball mm. is is so good. So good. From the green keep in Rooster, morning Michael and Trent. Moving Smith from four to opener who has scored 250s in 13 innings just doesn't make sense. Yes, Smith has been great for Australia, but he isn't the Smith of 2019. What do you think about that? Well, he's, he's not going to be the Smith of 2019, is he? <laughs> I don't think that's possible. That's not, yeah, it's it, it's impossible. But 
Yeah, if, I, I just my gut feel is he is potentially the greatest player that we've produced since Don Bradman. Mm. And if he thinks that he's capable of doing it, my own personal opinion is that his technique is definitely capable of doing yep. it. And largely, you know, I saw yesterday and I was trying to figure out exactly where I saw it, but maybe in the papers and it was definitely on social media. When Smith was batting at three during his test career, when he's come in and batted inside the first two overs of an innings of a test match, he averages over 100. Yeah, wow. So we won't see Smith of 2019 and we probably won't see him average 100. Probably. But, but <laughs> yeah. is that in the realms of possibility? I mean... Was he reluctant to bat at three? No. No? He, he wants he, to bat whenever he can, as much as he can. And we got a text come in yesterday about he and Marnus when they get out, uh, almost looking like a petrol oh, child. Yeah, it is a, it's getting a little bit annoying. It is. It, you know, as a viewer, you watch it, it's mm. annoying. But just letting you in on the on the mindset, it's like those kids in the backyard... They get out and they're like, no, (laughs) one more. I want to keep batting. You know, that's genuinely the mindset. And and even when Smith playing misses, it's not, well, sometimes he nods and says, well, bold, but it's more just like how uh, that had to have done something off the pitch. Unbelievable for me to miss that. (laughs) That's, it's almost that champion mindset. So uh, there's plenty to talk about. Thank you for your texts. Keep them flying in. And of course, on the Suncorp open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Tell us who you would have picked. Well, tell us what you think about Cameron Bancroft uh, and Marcus Harris potentially being left out of the equation when that team gets named at 11 a.m. Sydney time today. Yes, thanks, Nathan. We're here for Bing Lee, better living every day. And we're powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We'll get to a couple of NRL stories in a moment, but if you're only just waking up, here are the headlines that we've been discussing. The Aussie team for the first test against the West Indies will be named later this morning, and it's reported that Steve Smith is going to replace David Warner at the top of the order, with Cameron Green coming into the team as the replacement in the 11, and he's likely to bat at number four. A big win for the Adelaide Strikers over the Hobart Hurricanes in the Big Bash last night, which means that they're likely... Heading for a top four place. The Allianz Stadium is expected to turn into a helipad. This is unbelievable news (laughs) for David Warner on Friday afternoon as he makes a mad dash from his brother's wedding in the Hunter Valley to the SCG for the Thunders clash against the Sixers, which is, I believe, selling incredibly well as far as ticket sales. Did you get any similar treatment when you were playing? No, no. There's a clear pecking order when it comes to (laughs) Allianz. Well, not even helicopters. What about Allianz Stadium saying, no worries. Yeah, use our field that we use for all the biggest matches oh, in the world. Come, just come and land. Yeah, no worries. Uh, this sport update was all thanks to Height for Hire. Safely taking you to new heights. Looking for height? Hire it right. Visit heightforhire.com.au. Now, let's get into the NRL. We've got the guru here with his ear to the ground with every bit of news possible. So, Mick, let's start with Tom Flegler because he chatted for the first time yesterday in Dolphins Colours uh, after joining the club from the Broncos. His resume sort of speaks for itself. He's uh, probably the greatest coach in the game. And, um, you know, to be able to come here and get a year under him and, and learn off him for a year was, um, yeah, it would just be outstanding for me. And um, 
hopefully I can learn a few things off him and um, you know take them into the coming years. What's been some of the, me- the message he gave you when he recruited you? Is there anything that stands out to you, like when you spoke to him, about you know what he wanted from you and what, what appealed to you? Um, not really, Wayne. He's he's pretty blunt. He just said, "Tom, we want you." So um, <laughs> we had a few little chats, but uh, we only spoke literally twice. And um, yeah, he. With a resume like that, like we've just touched on, um, he doesn't really need to say too much to get people out of the line. Um, origins, one premierships, everything like that. It's, um, yeah. So he, him, and uh, when I was thinking about this, uh, in reference to Wayne Bennett, mm. uh, and I think that actually came through pretty loud and yeah. clear. <laughs> two chats. Hey, Tom, we want you. <laughs> That's Seriously, so good. That's uh, there was so another good. bit of gold in in the grabs from this uh, interview as well, and it was in reference to the Broncos. I know you're obviously here now, but Broncos are going to be having to try and find a way to replace you after what you did last season. Do you sort of see a natural successor to your old jersey in that squad there? Yes, yeah, I don't really care. It's not really my problem, to be honest. <laughs> I don't really care what happens there. <laughs> that is some real talk for you. I love good. hearing that. Good, good. We know it's spicy between the Dolphins and and the Broncos already, and this just adds to it considering they've signed two of Brisbane's best players in, in Farnworth and Flagner, who were outstanding for the Broncos last year. They they switch they switch clubs and, and head to the the crosstown rivals. And why should he care? Yeah, oh, and it's it, a fair it, point. he's not being disrespectful. He, he's just saying it's not my problem. Yeah, that's not, I, I don't really care what goes on there. I'm a Dolphin now. Um, essentially, yep. I can't wait to play him. That's awesome, and that adds to it. And that's what league's all about—that theatre around uh, those rivalries. And um, you, you know that when the Dolphins play the Broncos, what do you think everyone's going to be talking about? Hus v. Flegler. How good? Yeah, exactly right. What do you think of the potential success of Tom Flegler at the Dolphins? Because their roster last year and their success in patches, particularly the first round, I, I remember vividly thinking, <laughs> you know, the lead up and what could it possibly be in the first round? It yeah. was likely to be a 40 nil against the Chooks. Uh, but that's what you're hoping for. Th- that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> undoubtedly, I'm not hiding behind that. Uh, but it was a real success story. Yeah. And, and the, the culture and the fans and, you know, Hamiso, the way he celebrated his tries in origin, like this was almost cult-like yeah. the following. Could they go to new heights on the back of Tom Flegler? I think their roster had a cap last season, okay. um, but this year doesn't. You, you look at the players they signed in Farmworth and Flegler, and Jake Avarello was outstanding for the back end for, for the mm. Bulldogs. And what they've bought with Hammersau at fullback already, they've got some speed. You know, Farnworth, Avarello, um, Hammersau, Asako was outstanding last mm. season. And then what the the arrival of Flegler does, it starts to turn over that aging forward pack. They had to go buy experience in, in the Bromwich brothers and Kafusi, but you know they're on their way out. Yep. Flegler, Tom Gilbert back from from injury, who had such a strong start to the season last year. Connolly Lemu Lemu uh, produced football. I didn't think he was capable he of. Was unreal. And Jeremy Marshall King is the most improved player in the NRL in the past twenty four months. Mm. Like I, I thought he was barely a first grader. Now he's gone into. You're talking if you're ranking hookers, he's towards that top rather than the bottom yep. now of hookers. So I like their squad. I have question marks around their halves still. Sean O'Sullivan, Young Katoa, Milford still lurking around. It's just not a championship winning halves pairing for mine, and I think that's probably where they'll struggle a little bit. But they'll be in that top eight cluster. I don't think they make the eight, but they'll be improvers. Now, I'm going to handball this one to you, and to the listeners out there, you'll know what's happening here. But the West Tigers. Yes. I don't like piling on, but... 
We have to talk about it. Oh, well, it's, it's big news out of the West Tigers, and, and it follows a theme that's happened over the last couple of weeks in terms of the board gone, or well, most of the board gone, including Chairman Lee Hadjipentelis, the chief exec, long-term chief executive, Justin Pascoe, gone, and a total revamp of, of the off-field structure. And that has continued yesterday with head of recruitment, Scott Fulton, being shown the door. It's interesting because we had Shane Richardson on breakfast last week when um, Jimmy Smith was in the chair, and um, this is what he had to say. Yeah, I, you know, we'll, we'll change a fair few things. We already have, and, and over the next week we'll change other things as well, which will, which will come out. But um, new signings and a few other things. But at the end, with staff, and at the end of the day, it's a, um, you know, uh, it's a transition. I'm excited about the squad. It's probably not as balanced as we would like it. I'm not surprised by Scott Fulton's departure at all yeah. um, because I think the former management erred by hiring Scott Fulton, not because it's Scott Fulton, because they did it without the knowledge of the head coach. Yeah, okay. Benji Marshall's the head coach. Benji Marshall should have a say, a relationship, a great working relationship with his head of football. That's got to be your your well, your head of recruitment. That's got to be your right-hand man. And the fact that Benji was blindsided by it um, and, you know, the – the, the former management just thought they could get along and put their differences aside. Well, it never happened. Yeah. They were at loggerheads for months. And this decision had to be made because um, Benji Marshall is that future. They, they've put all their eggs into, into Benji Marshall. Shane Richardson, as a chief executive, is, rug, is a rugby league chief executive. You know, we've got some chief executives that, have, that, are, that are businessmen rather than football Um, uh, you know, head. So that's why some clubs need a strong head of footy because the CEO focuses solely on the business side. Shane Richardson knows what it's like to build a club. He knows what it's like to build a roster. He doesn't need a head of recruitment there because he can do that. He can wear that all 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 on his shoulders because he's done it for for decades now. Um, so um, the Scott Fult. This is nothing against Scott Fulton, but he shouldn't have been appointed in the first place without Benji Marshall's. Um, say so because they've been, you know, Scott Fulton wanted to sign Josh Schuster at a million dollars a season. Benji Marshall said no. Scott Fulton was instrumental in getting Samuela and Latu Fanu from Manly across, yeah. um, and Jaden Sullivan. So from the Dragons. So the the interesting thing to see will be what Scott Fulton leaves behind. He signed these two young kids in in the uh, Latu and Samuela Fanu on big money. If they work out to be a success, and uh, Latu is Jerome Luai's long-term halves partner, then the West Tigers should thank Scott Fulton for his service and say, appreciate it, well done. Things didn't work out. One thing about Scott Fulton, he's got a great eye for talent. And we look at that Manly side, he's identified a lot of those players that are in that Manly side now who are going to be really, really good first-grade players. So um, I think there's... A lot to unpack in the West Tigers. I'm not surprised by that that decision. And as Shane Richardson said, there's going to be more to come. And as we said last week, Justin, Justin Ollum will be at the West Tigers for 2024. Yeah, there's lots to delve into. One of the texts that's come in from Michael, Tigers fans are on board with what Richo is doing. So it's not all piling on. It's it's This could be a good news story. Uh, time now for a break. We're here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Brighton's Lawyers. It is SEN's Brecky show this morning, and it's Trent Copeland and Michael Carianis with you. For those of you north of the border, 
A reminder that Maccas are proud sponsors of Little Legends, supporting grassroots sport across Queensland. And we've had plenty of texts coming through this morning. 0457 736 736 is the Edgewater Homes text line. Mick, what's happening on yeah, there? Yeah, this one's from 280. Have the Roosters and Uncle Nick had any, anything to do with the helicopter landing into Allianz with Warner being a Roosters <laughs> fan? Look, I don't know. I, I'm not sure, but do you have any... Stories of when you were playing or experiences of, um, uh, you know, the way the other half live as professional athletes? Oh, I mean, the, there's probably lots of stories in the golden eras of, you know, 1950 through to 1990 where there wasn't speculation and phones videoing everything. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, my one that springs to mind is how NBA players live. Yeah. Uh, hanging out with Joe Ingalls, his wife, Renee, um, much better athlete than Joe, yep. as is my wife, much yep. better athlete than me. Used to play netball for Australia together, um, which is how our mateship came about. Anyway, it was over while well, he was playing with the Utah Jazz and absolutely killing it um, when he first sort of got over there. The way that they walk into an arena, play a match, then they're in the locker room, just sort of, you know, high-fiving, put on their kit, walk out. Their cars are all parked in a line, doors open. Uh, you remember the TV show Entourage? Mm-hmm. Like that was no tax. Yeah. That is like cars ready, keys in, on, aircon on. And then the days where they're actually going to the airport to fly, so they finish a game at 11 p.m. in Utah or Salt Lake City, they do that, drive straight onto the tarmac, chuck their keys to the team manager who'd then go and park their cars at the airport straight on the jet to go to Portland or wherever, you know, like that's what Davey Warner's treatment is right now. Be like playing great cricket. Yeah. A bit like playing great <laughs> cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Same treatment. <laughs> uh, there's a few more coming in here, mate. Um, yeah. As far as the cricket, it, it's, there's a lot of speculation around, you know, is it the right decision? But this one's interesting. Instead of having national players in the BBL, which we've got this week, a nice mm. clean window. How about getting them to play shield cricket? From James, what do you think? Do you, is your what I mean by what do you think? Is your perception that national players don't play in the Shield at all? Well, they, well, yeah. Do they play Shield cricket? So the answer yeah. is, if there's no national duties, mm. they all play. But when, yeah, but but if they're away at the World Cup, that's just happened. Then they're at a World Cup. Of course, yeah, yeah. But when do they play? When do they have an opportunity to play Shield cricket? So, like Nathan Lyon, for example, normally plays every game leading into yeah, the summer because he's a Red Bull specialist, right? If you play yeah. two to three formats, you, do you play shield cricket? You have little opportunity, mm. but there's generally always a window for at least one, if not two games leading in. And it's just a workload thing if yeah. they're able to or not. How important was it as a, as a young guy coming through to see those guys or play against those guys? It, it was important um, in terms of the context of the, Sheffield Shield being the greatest competition around the world mm. underneath international cricket. And even for the young players that we're talking about, like Cameron Greens of the world, to be exposed to test level play. Yeah. And that's why we were so dominant for so many years um, and had all these guys averaging 50. And then when they played for Australia, like Mike Hussey at 31, they were able to just come in and average 50 at test yeah. level too. So I think that's why it's important, the integrity of the competition. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, there's another one coming in here. Uh, morning, Trent and Michael. I'm a bit of a Renshaw fan, so I'd like to see him get given another chance. Smith isn't a long-term solution. Cheers, the big G. 
I don't know. I, I mean, Smith isn't a long-term solution, but, I mean, Cameron Bancroft is 31. Renshaw is probably the one that's the hybrid. Mm. He's 27, mm. I think. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's this is the scenario where they've said, you're in the squad. You're our identified person whenever a spot comes up anywhere, but likely a progression plan post Uzi. Yeah, it's interesting. How long do we have? I know it's hard to speculate, but on Uzi, who's the same age as David Warner, and then you've got mm. Steve Smith, who's just a little bit younger. But what, you know, do we have 12, 24, three years? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, you get to this phase where you think Usman three years ago thought he was done at yeah. test level. He's probably retired now and doing other things. So it's very hard to know. And whilst this test team in particular is so dominant and enjoying things, and then you get eight months down the line, you got the lure of India coming and playing at home. It's going to be very hard for someone to hang them up before that. And then you go, well, next year's an ashes. Mm. It'd be unreal to go out on an ashes yeah. win. So uh, the lures are there in terms of significance around the world. Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making Tomorrow Matter, shaping and building Australia together. Summer breakfast here on SEN. We're filling in the chairs for Vossi and Brandy. It's Michael Karianis and Trent Copeland with you. The 10th of January. What's on, happened on this day? There's a bit of trivia here. Plenty, Copes. And New Zealand's first great game of cr- test cricket is held in Christchurch in 1930. Englishman wow. Morris Allum takes a hat-trick. Jeez, that's a start. Mm. <laughs> uh, what about the Sopranos? Were you a Sopranos fan? No, I mean, I'm well aware of it, but I, I didn't watch You haven't watch watched it? it? Oh, not religiously. Like, I, I wouldn't have watched all of it, no. Oh, it's such a... It's it one a, of the few shows... You mentioned one earlier, Entourage. Yeah. And Sopranos, it's one of the few shows that I can go back and watch again. Yeah, okay. Um, big show. A uh, big fan of the Sopranos. So this debuted on this day in 1999. Wow. And it hasn't aged. So you could watch it and go... I watched it recently, made my wife sit through it. She wasn't a huge fan. <laughs> but um, There's a little insight to you at home. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. Prince Harry's book, Spare, went on sale on this day last year. Remember the hoo-ha around that? Yes. And we've got a few birthdays. Okay. Rod Stewart, 79. Dylan Edwards, 28. Cody Walker, 34. And Chad Townsend is 33. Happy birthday to those three key players in their sides. Look at you go. Look at running the birthday game. I was saying yesterday with Jaleesa, I am the worst birthday game player. Average about 10 off, <laughs> double figures <laughs> off. But uh, there you go. There's a few birthdays there. A couple of current footy players as well. No doubt working hard in their off season. Uh, good fun. Always. Hey, fitness, fitness is great fun. We're yeah. going to talk wellness Wednesday shortly as well. We've got a few tips for you. Time now for a break. It is summer breakfast on SEN, Wednesday the 10th of January, and we are here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Bryden's Lawyers. It's Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you this morning. Good morning, everyone, on SEN 11.70am here in Sydney as we fill in the chairs for Vossie and Brandy. And for the rest of the week, those of you listening on SENQ 693am in Brizzy and everyone else across the SEN network, give us a call on the Suncorp open line 1300 01 1170 and of course the Edgewater Homes text line 0457 736 736 as you all have been doing all morning. What's making news? We, Mick, we've been talking about reports are that 11am this morning Sydney time, 10am Brizzy time 
that Steve Smith is set to win the race for the vacant spot at the top of the order. That's what News Limited newspapers are reporting yesterday. That means the replacement for David Warner is Cameron Green. He comes in to bat it for Matt Renshaw. Queenslander comes into the squad and given his prowess batting all throughout the order for Queensland and, of course, having opened before for Australia, he is the spare batter on tour. This is Marnus singing Steve Smith's praises yesterday. I've got no doubt that he'll do a good job. He's excited for a new challenge. Um, if that motivates him and, and that gets um, the cricket world Stephen Smith for another two years or three years, I think that's a massive win. That's not a kick at all on Shield cricket. Cameron Green's also averaging 50-plus in Shield cricket. There's not many guys doing that. So I don't think that's a, you know, that's a, that's a tough comparison to make. He's got a sound technique, got a great defence, um, and I think that's the versatility that you need at, at number four. So Cameron Bancroft potentially overlooked as well as Marcus Harris and even Matt Renshaw, you could argue, mm. not being picked to open the batting. Tell us what you think on that Suncorp open line, one 1170 In the BBL last night, the Adelaide Strikers beat the Hobart Hurricanes by five wickets. Ben McDermott put up his best fight, 95 not out from 61 balls. But the Adelaide Strikers, too good at home. They march on. Allianz Stadium is going to be a helipad for Davey <laughs> Warner on Friday afternoon as he attempts to dash from his brother's wedding in the Hunter Valley to get to the Big Bash's big Sydney smash at the SCG on Friday night to play for the Thunder. Remarkable story. Uh, the West Tigers have sacked their head of recruitment, Scott Fulton, just months after the appointment under the club's former administration. Uh, and we've also been talking about Tom Flegler fronting the media for the first time uh, in Dolphins Colours. But time now, Mick, to do some more of your famous. Yeah, there's The following that comes in on the back oh, of these yeah. is just remarkable. Uh, I'm sure the text will be flying in. Uh, NRL 2024 season previews. And today we're going to knock off the Rabbitohs and the Titans. Let's start with the Bunnies. Yeah, South Sydney had a, a bit of a disrupted 2023. They were, you know, most I think most people had them in their top four, let alone yep. um, in their top eight. They missed the top eight, and there was lots of off-field innuendo. And, and one of the, the biggest stories of, of 2023 was Sam Burgess leaving the club. It's been a really big week. Um, you know, it's been a lot happened, but, I mean, I stand by my decision to uh, walk away, and I think it's best for the team, best for the club, uh, and everyone involved at the moment. So, like you said, it's been a big week, but... Hopefully no more distractions and the team can get on with the job. So I love the club. I love what they stand for. They've been great to me and my family, and that's never going to change. The supporters, the members, uh, great. The players, everyone involved, really good. But, you know, circumstances that arose, just, it was just right uh, and everything that happened. So I'm happy with what the decision was, and it's just now a good time to move on and focus on next year. Yeah, there was no doubt that created a stir uh, for the back half of the year, and Jason Demetrio and Sam Burgess fell out. Um, Sam Burgess was assistant coach. Now he's off to Warrington to start his head coaching career. So yep. that destruction's gone. Um, South Sydney, when you when you look at um, who they've brought in, Jack White and Sean Kepi, and they've lost Hame Saleh, Blake Taff, and Jed Cartwright. So Jack Wyden's a huge in. Yeah. Massive, massive in for him. He was poor for the Raiders last year, but he'll play in the centres, um, get first shot there, and uh, that back line, it's... Star started. It's ridiculous. It, you know, Latrell and, and Cody and Alex Johnson and Campbell Graham. It's it, it is one of the best backlines in the NRL. 
Yeah, I'm interested in underrated, in my opinion, and under the radar potentially, Blake Taff leaving. Mm. Just given the amount of games that Latrell Mitchell has missed, and particularly at the business end of the season, on how good Blake Taff is coming in and filling in for Latrell Mitchell. So I guess that whole... I'm sure there's a plethora of options, but in in the event that Latrell Mitchell does get injured or suspended, as he has done in the past, who's filling that role? Yeah, it's interesting. Does Jack Wyden shift there? Alex Johnston has done it before, and it's not his best position. Mm. Um, they got young Tyrone Munro, who's going to be a freak. Yeah, uh, and he he's built to play fullback. Um, he's got to put a, a little bit of, of weight on um, and get his body a little bit. But he, his build is outstanding, yeah. and he's going to be a special talent. Whether he can play fullback for a long period yet, I'm not sure. Um, so maybe they they look at shifting Jack White in there. Johnston could could do a job, but. Um, they're probably the, the options at the moment, but Blake Taft did a, a really good job filling in. But I think they've got enough cover there in case Latrell does go down. He was just that perfect replacement, even with his goal kicking, goal kicking as well. Helped, you yeah. know, and it's underrated mm. in in the importance in big matches how much goal kicking yeah. matters. Uh, but that's interesting. And what about you mentioned Jack White and he'll play in the centres. In terms of, and this is a question without notice, but the mechanism of signing a year in advance, and you said the form wasn't great last year. I wonder just, you know, if anyone's done the stats, career performance after signing with another team, Jerome Luai comes to mind, what do yeah. you put out for the Panthers this year? It's it's a really interesting mechanism within the NRL right now. I don't think it has. For a senior players, I don't think it's a distraction. Like we've seen yeah. Penrith okay. being able to win so many comps with heaps of players in in a similar boat, you know, you kick out and Crichton and yep. you know Coruscant and all those guys have done it and still performed really really well. When when it's a young guy, it could be a little bit of a, a distraction. It just depends on the relationship with the club, um, and and how strong that senior playing group is to to keep them all together. Jack Wyden was down, but I think a lot of the Raiders were, were down. Um, Dom Young for Newcastle had a Crack yeah. in back half of the year Good point. with his future decided at the Roosters, so it can work. Um, I know some, I know a lot of fans hate it, uh, but you know on the flip side, if you're the West Tigers, it gives you a little bit of hope when you can watch Jerome Luai play for uh, Penrith. You know, you have all all Tigers fans will have one eye on the Panthers yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, so it does create a, a different discussion. But the question mark for me will be around two things around South Sydney is the future of Jason Demetrio, because. Yeah. Um, they re-signed him last year, and that deal just get – it was done months before it was announced. Um, they were just looking for the right time, and they just couldn't find a way to, to jag a few wins to change that narrative a little bit. And Lockie Ilias uh, at number yeah. seven. Because if things don't work, they've got Jack White in there. Yes. And whether or not they shift Cody Walker to seven, Jack White in a six, um, and play Tass back in the, in the centers, they've got some options there now, South Sydney, in case things don't work out. Uh, for Ilya. So I think they're the two biggest uh, storylines heading to South Sydney, but I've got them finishing fifth. Interesting. So big rises for South. I just, their roster's too good to replicate. But only fifth. fifth. I thought I thought you might've been going higher. Uh, it's a big jump still from where they finished. Uh, I've got Manly in my top four. So that's probably where I differ from a lot of people at the moment. That's probably the, the one um, yep. that, that I've got sneaking in at fourth rather than South Sydney. But for mine, South Sydney finished fifth, have a really good year and, and challenge for a title again. And just to tie a bow on the Jack White and stuff, success or failure, the investment from the Rabbitohs? 
I think it'll be a success. I yeah. think he's a really good player, and the fact that he can play at centre um, will benefit him, given given his age, and provided they can just get him some clean ball. But that back line is dynamic. Yeah, Campbell, Graham, Jack White on either side of the field, Alex Johnston on one wing, Latrell Mitchell playing both sides of the field, Cody Walker sweeping. Like it's there's points there. There's, yeah. there's there's a lot of points. So I think South Sydney should go back to to being a a, a premiership threat this year. No, no doubt about it. What about the Titans? We we move on to a, a team that, at their best, I mean, the David Fafida, mm. Big Tino yeah. story uh, of last year. It was pretty wild how all this stuff unfolded. But talk to us about the Titans. Yeah, tough read for, for the Titans. Um, they get a new coach in in Des Hasler, and um, this is how he opened his uh, first day as the Titans head coach. Can you talk to us about your decision to build the dojo uh, on site here and, I guess, the plans for the pre-season? Yeah, not to be completely honest, it's a side business. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a function centre. It's a we- I do weddings. Uh, I can bury you. I do funerals on the field. Uh, I can spread your ashes. Uh, and I'll undercut any wedding venue in the Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, I max out about 200 seats. Yeah. Yeah. I'll rephrase and to use the dojo on site. Sorry? To use the dojo on site. Oh, you mean for football? Oh, yes, of course, sorry. Sure. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a, um, it's a double-up room. You can uh, use it as an add-on to the field. We use it for rehab. Um, a whole lot of spectrums, yeah. But they're boring. Yeah. Uh, they don't, <laughs> the Gold Coast media do not know what they're in for. Uh, it was all laughs, yeah. all smiles, but wait till they see the intensity that's a uh, that will unfold um in the early couple of rounds so des hasler yep he, he could crack it with the best of them um but yeah it's going to be an interesting ride there for for the gold coast titans um not a lot of play movement for the titans keenan palacia is probably their best recruit from from the broncos um good first grader but as you said uh tino for feeder um, that's where their their strength is. Sam Verrills, I really like Sam Verrills as a player. He's just got to play. He's yeah. got to, they, they, they need him to play twenty plus games um, to to really shore up that middle of the field. Um, so, yeah, interesting year for for the Titans um, with new coach Des Hasler. Yeah, what did you? I mean, can you just refresh on the the contract saga that went on with Tino and David Fafita? And there was a clause in there that. Head coach not being the same, Holbrook going, and yeah. and all of that. Are they past that? Are they are these two Titans players now for good? Well, really weird clause um, in, in that contract because it wasn't like, with all due respect to Justin Holbrook, it's it's not a Craig Bellamy or a Wayne Bennett or yeah. Ivan Cleary now, someone that you'd want to tie your your future to. But um, they agreed to to that deal, and and what it meant was Fafita had just resigned and you know came off the back of an okay season. Uh, but then produced an amazing season last year and, and cashed in. So all, all it did was give Tino and Fafita a, a big pay rise and, and, and they both recommitted to the Titans. So it was an interesting way to, to look at those deals. But David Fafita's contract still has player options. So he's got 2024 locked in, yep. but technically he's a free agent in 25, 26. Um, so we'll, we'll see that circus go on potentially again. Uh, Tino's locked in for 25, 26, and then he has an option until 2033. 
Wow. Which seems a, a long, long time away. So um, Tino's locked in for the next couple of years, but David Fafita could still potentially be a free agent at some stage this year. That's interesting, isn't it? It seems like one of those mechanisms that managers are using to their advantage, knowing that coaches get sacked quite regularly. It's a weird one. It's not a common clause, the coach clause. Okay. And it's generally, you know, when you have a Darius Boyd, Wayne Bennett type of relationship, you know, that's it's when the players are significantly close. The, the Tino and David Fafita to Justin Holbrook yeah. was a total surprise. Uh, just one question on the halves, and, and particularly about Jaden Campbell and AJ Brimson yeah. and how they get them on the field for 80 minutes because they both look like they have to play. They have to play. And, and that was one of the downfalls of, of Justin Holbrook is that he didn't have the ability or couldn't find a way to ensure that Brimson and, and Campbell were on the field at the same time. And um, it looks like early indications are that Jaden Campbell will start at fullback. Brimson okay. at centre. Wow. Um, with um, four and in, in the halves as well. With um, So four and we'll start in the halves. So it's interesting. It's an interesting one. Whether Brimson can work at centre, I'm not sure, but they've got to find a way to get him on the ball and in the game because he's arguably, with Campbell, their most dangerous uh, attacking weapons. And Tanner Boyd will obviously be the halfback. So yep. that's the way that, that spine looks like taking shape. Yeah, I mean, every time both of those guys were on the field and one of them was playing off the bench or, or injured and not playing, yeah. it was so evident that mm. their impact was missed. So it's it's a tough one. We've had a few questions coming I've in. I've got them at 15th, the Titans. Oof. So not a significant improvement for Gold Coast. Queensland listeners out there Rip in. that don't have Patton Hill singing the praises of the Titans, Michael Carianis giving it to you straight. 0457 736 736 is the Edgewater Homes text line and the Suncorp open line, 1300 01 1170. Do you disagree with the predictions? Rabbitohs fifth, Titans 15th, you said? Mm. Mm, ouch. All right. The Reptile has texted in, G'day Shaggers, Jack White and will have a new lease on life at South Sydney. Rabbitohs will finish minor premiers and win the comp. Titans will have a bad season because of Des, because he is too distracted by his games and the mad scientist bit he plays. What do you reckon about that? I don't know if he plays it. I think that's just his life. <laughs> um, but yeah, South Sydney have the roster to finish top four, minor premiers, win the comp. Yeah. So um, I, I think they could push with that. I think Jack Wyden, one, one thing about Jack Wyden, Jack Wyden has amazing training standards. You speak to people at Canberra and, and at Rep level, and that's been some of the criticism. Yep. At South Sydney, at the particularly at the back end, and you know the fallout between Sam Burgess and Jason Demetrio was around training standards and the like. You know, so he's going to push some of those younger players. He's going to push Latrell uh, yep. at, at training, and I think that's an important ingredient. Which it strikes you as something that needs to happen. Um, there's one here about you. You mentioned in passing that you had Manly top four. Mm. Uh, this one from Dennis. Hi, guys. Seabold as coach means Manly can't make the eight. Give yourself an uppercut. Another yeah. uppercut. So, <laughs> no, I was leaving that out. So I don't know. Probably knocked myself out a few times <laughs> from some of the text messages. But no, I just like their – I think – but. It's the big asterisk, right? If Tommy Turbo plays 20 games, I've got him in my top four. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. So I just think they could fly. the like. I just I just love the the amount of points that Manly could score next year. Like Ruben Garrick could break so many records, I reckon. Yeah. Like I reckon they've got so many points in them. Yeah, no doubt. Michael, do you think the Panthers will use every opportunity to blood a new Luai replacement this season? I reckon Romy will have a lot of bench time this year. No, I don't no. think so. I think they'll look at, you know, particularly at training and around the origin period 
um, around Jerome Luai's position, long-term position, Dane Laurie, Jack Cole, whether those guys can, can be the long-term half solution, Brad Schneider, but no, no, they're not going to be benching Jerome Luai. They're going to win. They're going to want to win another comp. Yeah, no doubt about that. There are your NRL previews for today, the Rabbitohs and the Titans. Thanks to Mick Karianis for that. Breakfast is powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter. Shaping and building Australia together. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. Time now to talk to Mitch Abaya from Sportsbet. There's plenty going on around the world, and we've been talking cricket, big bash, there's Aussie Open stuff going on, as well as American sport. Mitch, good morning to you. Morning, boys. How are we going? Yeah, going good in here, mate. Let's kick it off with the big bash, mate. Talk to us about what you got going on there. Yeah, let's talk about today's game or tonight's game. Uh, Brisbane Heat, who have already qualified for the finals, uh, are going up against the Perth Scorchers. What a game this will be. Brisbane Heat, $2 and 4 Perth Scorchers tournament favourites and favourites in this one, $1.78. The top Brisbane Heat run scorer, Usman Khawaja, at $3.75. Colin Munro at $4.25. Josh Brown also at $4.25. And for the first Scorchers, Zach Crawley at $4.00. Aaron Hardy at $4.10. And Josh Inglis at $4.60. We'll talk about tomorrow's game just briefly. Hobart Hurricanes versus the Adelaide Strikers. Hobart Hurricanes $2.08. The Adelaide Strikers $1.75. And on Friday, the Sydney Sixers versus the Sydney Thunder. The Sydney Derby. Uh, Sydney Sixers, $1.67 favourite. Sydney Thunder, $2.21. Uh, and a quick outright market for the tournament if you were interested in playing there. Uh, first Scorchers, are your favourites $2.30 to take out the whole tournament? Word $2.37 yesterday, so a little move uh, in there. Brisbane Heat, $2.85. Haven't moved since yesterday. Sydney Sixers, $5.00. And Melbourne Stars are $11 out from $8. Everyone else is $26 or more. What about the Australian Open? What do you have for us there, mate? Yeah, just got the uh, outright uh, winners for the men's and women's comp for 2024 for the Oz Open. Uh, Novak Djokovic, no surprise here, favourite at $1.91. Carlos Alcaraz is $4 in the market. Yannick Sinner at $7. Then we get out to... Daniel Medvedev at $11, Alexander Zverev at $23, and Alex Dimonor, $34. So if you're interested in playing in the men's Oz Open, there is a market there for the outright comp. You can jump on and check it out. And for the ladies, uh, Iga uh, Swiatek is $320, Alina Rybakina is $5, Ariana Sabalenka at $6, and Corey Gorf at $7. Jessica Pagula is $18. Uh, and over. So um, plenty of markets there in regards to the tennis. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people chucking on their uh, all-in multis when the first round markets open up. People love their shorties and combining all the short price favourites trying to land a uh, 30-leg multi. Yeah, it's always good fun talking uh, pronunciation of tennis players' names as well. Uh, the last names, of particularly the women, are uh, always good fun. What about the NBA, Mitch? Uh, I'm a huge fan. I'm a Timberwolves fan. They're taking on the Magic today, and I'm hopeful they can get back on track. But what are the markets telling you there? Geez, it's probably the most confident you'll be in a while uh, when it comes to potential of a championship. They've actually shown a fair bit this season. The Timberwolves are going around today. There is five games on in the NBA today. I'll quickly rattle through a few of them. A lot of them are quite short. So uh, Sacramento Kings versus Detroit Pistons. Sacramento Kings $1.17. Detroit Pistons $5.10. The Timberwolves, here's your game, Coach. Uh, they're $1.49 versus Orlando Magic, who have been in some stellar form 
$2.64. Portland Trailblazers host the New York Knicks. Trailblazers, 6 bucks. Knicks, $1.14. Memphis Grizzlies, $3.85. Without Jar Morant, he's been ruled out for the season with shoulder surgery, so that's a massive blow for them. Dallas Mavericks favourites at $1.26. And then we get to the Raptors versus the Lakers. The Raptors, $2.49. I reckon there's some value there. I don't think the Lakers are travelling that well. They're $1.54, the Los Angeles Lakers. But the Timberwolves have to be a massive chance when it comes to the uh, playoffs this year with such a very, very deep team. Uh, Anthony Edwards is absolutely highlighting that side. Yeah, I'm optimistic for probably the first time in my life as a Timberwolves fan that we can get (laughs) at least deep in the playoffs. Mitch, thank you for your time this morning. Have a great day at Sportsbet. Anytime, boys. Have a great day and, uh, yeah, happy punting. Make it look easy with Sportsbet. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Thanks, Nathan. We're here for Bing Lee Better Living Every Day, and we're powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. We'll chat with tennis expert, SEN's tennis expert, Brett Phillips, in just a moment. But if you're only just waking up, here are the headlines that we've been discussing this morning. The Aussie Test team is going to be named for the series against the West Indies this morning, likely around 11 a.m. Sydney time, 10 a.m. Brizzy time, with Steve Smith expected to replace David Warner at the top of the order. Cameron Green, the replacement in the 11, and he's likely to slot in at number four. Matt Renshaw included in the squad, but not playing at this stage. The Adelaide Strikers beat the Hobart Hurricanes in the BBL last night. Uh, We've also been discussing Scott Fulton's departure from the West Tigers. Tom Flegler speaking for the first time in Dolphins Colours. You can catch up on anything you've missed, including Mick's NRL previews of the Rabbitohs and the Titans. And we also had a text in before talking about the Roosters. I'm reliably informed that there are podcasts of each of the NRL previews so far. So check that out on the app and and search for Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy for any of the episodes that you might have missed. All right, let's get Brett Phillips on the line to talk through all of the ramifications from matches in the tennis world in the lead-up to the Australian Open. Good morning to you, Brett. Morning, Trent. Michael, good to speak to you guys. How did we go with the qualifiers yesterday, mate? Yeah, seven of the 15, uh, Trent, through. We've got another uh, 10, 10 Aussies to suit up first round uh, today. So, yeah, I think 25 all up across the men and the women. So, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag and I suppose a story... Out of that is uh, Arena Rodionova, which has obviously um, yeah, caused uh, some headlines, obviously yes. not getting a wild card in the first place to the Australian Open and then having to go through qualifying as our number one ranked Australian female and she loses in the first round. So I know she's had uh, a fair bit to say, but I've got to tell you, uh, to be quite frank, um, this wild card discussion comes up every single year. Uh, we've done our own uh, personal sort of investigations into it at the first serve and written some feature pieces on it, spoken to some key people. And I'm, I'm getting tired of it, to be totally honest. I mean, a wild card uh, is a bonus. It is something you shouldn't expect or you're not entitled to uh, unless you are at the cutoff for direct entry, and that's because your ranking's good enough. And so we have this debate every year about wild cards. And obviously the four majors who are independent entities at their discretion can pick local homegrown players to get a wild card. And I actually think that's wrong. I think you get there on your own merits. I think wild cards should only be saved for former Grand Slam champions who might have been out of the game. So we've got, obviously, Osaka and Kerber and 
Wozniacki, all who have gone and um, yeah. given birth and had 18 months out of the game with maternity leave, and they're deserving of a wild card. Uh, and then I think, you know, open up more qualifying spots through the qualifying. But, you know, to be handing out wild cards, in our case, to players ranked 200, 250 in the World 300, to me, you haven't earned your stripes. So there shouldn't be any gripes about this <laughs> whatsoever. Um, but, you know, that's that's been sort of par for the course for a long time at the Slams because they inject the most money into the sport, have the right to, you know, um, put their homegrown players forward because it is a home slam. I get it, but I don't like it. Where, where does it leave her now, um, BP, do you think? Well, she's got to, you know, just battle away. I mean, she's 34 years of age. She's never been inside the top 100. Yes, absolutely acknowledge, Michael, the year that she had in 2023. She went and grinded, rolled up her sleeves, did it without a coach, travelled to all corners of the globe to get her ranking back from uh, just outside 300 to just outside 100. Well done. 78 matches she won. Huge tick. Uh, she won a couple of matches in Brisbane. Uh, look the goods, uh, but you know she's been in this position many, many a time, and she's 34. She's been around a while, and you know has never been able to get inside the top 100. If you're there, you absolutely get in on direct entry, and you've deserved your spot. Uh, so she's got to just simply roll up the sleeves like she did this year, and you know get inside the top 100 for the first time, and that argument probably ends. Just quickly before we let you go, mate, the Aussie highlights across Adelaide and Hobart yesterday. Yeah, well, Hobart, uh, certainly we didn't quite see Olivia Gadecki get over the line last night, but Daria Seville, um, you know, she could maybe win this tournament. She's in good form, uh, Dasha, and has been top 20, so she'll be in action tonight. Uh, our guys were terrific yesterday. I've got to say, Jordan Thompson, Trent, from your neck of the woods in Sydney, he is having a really good start to the year. I mean, he won uh, convincingly yesterday, obviously made a semi-final in Brisbane, beats Nadal, He's close to his career high of 43. You know, this year he's got to be aiming to be, you know, inside that top 40. He's 29 years of age. You know, as fit as anyone on the tour. He's a just his IQ, the way he constructs points. He's such a, you know, um, a great tennis player to watch. Um, doesn't always have the big weapons to blow you off the court, which has probably held him back from being a top 30, top 20 player. Uh, but Geordie's in some terrific form. Takes on Musetti tonight in Adelaide, which you know, he's the fourth seed and a very good player. Chris O'Connell, Alex Bolt, all had wins. Uh, Kuyong gets underway today, which is a, a great uh, lead into the Australian Open. So we get a look at the young gun, uh, Yannick Sinner, for the first time. Uh, this, is only his, this is his only preparation for the AO with the great uh, Darren Cale, the coach extraordinaire in his corner, Sir Andy Murray, Holger Runa. Yeah, it's a good field and the qualities will continue. So, yeah, there's plenty going on um, right across the country today. BP, we love your work, mate. There's lots going on in the tennis world over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm sure you'll keep us informed. Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Anderson again. This time gets past. That's it. All over. It goes to the boundary for four. And Ogden finishes up in style. That's the Adelaide Strikers defeating the Hobart Hurricanes last night on SEN. And the SEN cricket commentary team are back in action tonight for the Brisbane Heat up against the Perth Scorchers. That's live from 7pm Sydney time, 6pm in Queensland. You catch every game of the BBL on SEN. We're here for Brighton's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Brighton's Lawyers. Time for a health and fitness tip, Mick. I'll let you take this one. (laughs) For fast fuel meals, uh, healthy meals, ready fast, enjoy quality food that tastes great and saves you time. Now, my health and fitness tip for the day, Mm -hmm. and this is something that I need to still get better at, but 
now that I'm not a professional athlete and things were being scheduled for me and yes. I didn't need to think about it, schedule it in the diary. Like any other work meeting, like anything else that you do in your life where you have a commitment, physically put it in the diary of the must-haves. It's a big rock in the diary that doesn't move. I think that's my tip to make sure. And particularly if you've got a significant other or mate that you train with regularly, put it in a shared calendar so you've got accountability that you don't, when you're tired, say, ah, oh, I don't feel like doing yeah. that today. And there's no actual time that you need to do it. How much training have you? Uh, almost zero since I retired. Have you picked up a ball? Like, have you? Uh, obviously with your analysis seven, and stuff, yeah, but, but not, not physically. Have you gone to I got the... asked a net bowl about three weeks ago. Okay. And the, the answer of no came out of really? my mouth as quickly as you like. Yeah. For the Aussies, for the, the SCG test. Yeah. Um, it was one of those things where I, I would literally break in half uh, okay. just because I've done zero prep. Gotcha. Um, but in terms of training, my wife is absolutely flying at the moment. Former athlete, played for Australia for many years and we've got two young children and I'm so inspired by Kim mm. and what she's doing at present with the fitness. Um, that's part of the whole news resolution stuff that I need to get back into it, but this is a big part of it. I, I need to, with all the other things going on, particularly in cricket season, uh, commentary work and, and an actual job and then coming in here doing this, I actually need to schedule it in the diary and get it done. If you have a bowl this week, I'm playing fifth grade. At, if you want to come and have a bowl. <laughs> uh, the answer is still <laughs> an emphatic no. Uh, but hey, we've got an exciting moment in the, in the show. Uh, we do it most days. Um, and we've got Gary from Newtown on the line. Gary, good morning. Good morning, Trent and Michael. Just just on Manly and the Bunnies, before I speak about them, I'd just like to speak about the grand final. And the grand final is telling me everything what's needed to win comp. And I, I, no one can answer this question for me. When you score during the year, and in that grand final, there was eight tries, and that's a lot of tries in a grand final, and not one winger scored. I'm just trying to work out how did that happen? What was the reasons behind that? And no one can answer that question at the moment, and I haven't got the answer to that, but I'd like to find out why was that the case. But just on Manly, just on Manly and the Bunnies, I look at Manly, and I go back to the grand final. Manly's forward pack cannot maintain that game for 80 minutes. So they're a thousand to win, a thousand one to win the comp. They cannot win the comp, even if they finish in the top four. Cannot win the comp. They can't maintain that over 80 minutes. They'll fall apart. They'll, they'll be running in quicksand, and the, and they will. The opposition will be scoring, and that's similar to Parramatta. That's similar to Parramatta. I like Parramatta forwards. I like the forwards, but the game's moved on from that. You need different forwards. Similar to Parramatta, so I need Dylan Brown to be in the game for 80 minutes and on Mazes to run direct and understand the kicking game to look after the forwards. They're, they're lucky though, Gary, that they've got you in their camp. That's, <laughs> that's the thing. I do agree with um, Gary and, and Parramatta's forward pack because that's been my criticism of Parramatta is the fact that once, um, the, once their power game doesn't work, there's not much going for the Eels in, in terms of that forward pack. So I'd be interested to see if Brad Arthur evolves a little bit in their style of play. Yeah, uh, if you can hear it, it's, it's slowly coming through the mic. It's an alarm that's going off here in the SEN studios, and I think triggered by Gary. Gary, yeah, as soon phone. as Gary calls, the fire alarm goes off. 
<laughs> Seriously, there are, but there is a lot of text messages coming through. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. This one's interesting, Mick, about the Big Bash. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I am right, TC, uh, but obviously Cricket Australia didn't think the Heat would be in the Big Bash final with that scheduled for the eve of the poorly timed day-night test at the Gabba. Surely they can't play at Marnica from the Brisbane Eel. So talk us through that. So uh, just one thing here, this is not Cricket Australia in terms of when the matches are scheduled for. I mean, this is a uh, – you could look at the scheduling department and say, yeah, look, this is poorly timed if you look at that. But mm. the matches have to be scheduled at some point. Yeah. And, and they are – scheduled around other things. It's not like you could just put the final a week later because there's other things going on. Mm. Uh, the Brisbane Heat, just like every other team, need to schedule their matches if they are to make finals and they need to stipulate where that's going to be. I mean, the next 10 years, it's going to be no Gabba as well leading up to the Olympics. Yeah. So um, it's disappointing because they build their foundation. They get their fans through the gates, almost like no other team. Uh, the Scorchers do it well as well, but... Yeah, a shame, but one of those realities of professional sport um, that, yeah, the Gabba's going to be hosting a test match and the Heat have to play at Martica. I wonder how many Heat fans are in Canberra. <laughs> Ring in. <laughs> yeah, if you're in Canberra. Uh, but it, great news, you know, obviously not ideal for the Heat, but the great news is that they're playing unbelievable cricket. And could they go one better than last year? They made the final and got done by the Scorchers. Who's your tip from here? What's... Uh, well, no surprise to me that the Scorchers, the stri- uh, the Strikers had a good win last night, but the Scorchers, Sixers and Heat formulate the top three this time of year. Couldn't care less about form, mm. who's signed, what the players are in the landscape, what's going on. They find their way into the top four every year. So I think any of those guys can win. Um, but it's been a really good tournament and the fans are packing through the gates. We're going to have almost a sellout at the SCG on Friday night. Um, so it's brilliant to see. And tonight we've obviously got Marnus and Uzi playing for yeah. the Heat. Uh, it's great to watch. It's it's unreal. Um, but there's plenty more texts coming in, Mick. From Matt. Mike, I want you to put it on the line here. Going into round one, who are the top three coaches under the pressure, most pressure to keep their gigs? I think there's two that jump out easily. Okay. Brad Arthur, who we touched on, and Jason Demetrio. I think that's pretty... Standard. I don't think too many people would probably disagree with that, given the years that they had last year. Brad's been there for a while now. Took him to a grand final two years ago, but you know, has had moderate success outside of that. Haven't really threatened for a, a premiership outside that grand final where they'll just play well played. Like pa- Penrith just played him off a break. And the third one, I'm I'm struggling a little bit. Maybe maybe the Cowboys, Todd Payton, if they have another poor year, potentially. Okay. Um, but I think it's one and two, and then I can't really think of a third where I can generally say they're under pressure to, to keep their job. Interesting. Uh, this one, I thought there were reports yesterday saying Marcus Harris was going to be named in the squad, and now you just said it's Renshaw. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, until 11 a.m. Sydney time, 10 a.m. Brisbane time today, and it's officially named... None of us really know, uh, but it certainly seems like concrete reporting yesterday. Benny Horn and Co. get good mail. Good mail, yeah. But, I mean, yesterday it wasn't as solidified as no, it, is, as it is today. So, yeah, that's that's where we sit. Uh, coming up shortly, we've got Sydney Kings owner Paul Smith and we'll have Racing Queensland's Chris Nelson coming on the show as well.
It is summer brekkie here, Wednesday the 10th of January, 22 degrees in Sydney at a tick after 8 o'clock, two hours down, tick after 7 o'clock in Brisbane. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers, unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. It's Michael Karianis and Trent Copeland with you this morning. Good morning to everyone listening on SEN 1170 in Sydney and SENQ 693 AM in Brizzy. Uh, the Suncorp open line one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the number you can get us on. Get your home storm season ready with Suncorp and the Edgewater Homes text line oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. We will have Sydney Kings owner Paul Smith on the line shortly to talk NBL, uh, and of course this morning we've had SEN tennis expert Brett Phillips on and Mitch Abaya from Sportsbet. Uh, of course, you can catch all of that on the podcast. We've been talking about Steve Smith set to win the race to open the batting for Australia. Now, there's no question he was going to be in the team mm. in Adelaide, but opening the batting, Mick, that's where he's going to land. Cameron Green comes into the side as Davey Warner's replacement and Matt Renshaw in, likely to be included in the squad. That team likely to be announced today at 11 a.m. Sydney time, 10 a.m. Queensland uh, elsewhere, the BBL, uh, the Adelaide Strikers beat the Hobart Hurricanes, chasing down 166 to win in the 19th over. Matt Short, Chris Lynn and Alex Carey getting the job done with the bat. Jamie Overton, three for 23 with the ball. The West Tigers have sacked their head of recruitment, Scott Fulton, just months after the appointment under the club's former administration and Mick, you were talking about the ramifications and the need to be in sync with Benji Marshall. Yeah. Uh, and you know, a few texts that we had come in this morning seemed to think that it was a good decision from the club. We will see how that ends up. Tom Flegler spoke for the first time in Dolphins Colours yesterday. And just around the traps yesterday, college football, the national championship in the U.S., it was Michigan getting the job done 34-13 over Washington, and it was all about the running backs. Blake Corum, 21 carries, 134 yards and two touchdowns. Donovan Edwards, six carries and 104 yards, two touchdowns. Coach Jim Harbour, he gets that national championship and speculation running rife that he is going to be the next big money coach if they can lure him into the NFL. Uh, Mick, we won't go into your fantasy uh Failures, will we call it? Nah, yeah, well, definitely failure. Losing Made it to the final. championship final. Yeah. Where did you come? Yeah, uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's the news of the day. The Aussie women's cricket team, uh, they win again. Alyssa Healy, the skipper, she did the business. And Australia in that third T20, uh, away from home, three for 149. They chased down India's total 147 for six. They do it in 18 overs. This team... I don't know your opinion, Mick, but uh, whatever the team is, whoever they've got playing for them, they just seem to be able to win no matter where they are in the world. And Beth Mooney, 52 not out. Elisa Healy, 55. Talia McGrath and Phoebe Litchfield, who's a genuine superstar of the game already. She's only 20 or 21. She's 17 not out from 13 balls. So magic tour over in India for Australia. Yep. They just seem to find a way and probably will um you know, when we're ranking our top national teams, they've got to be up there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think in terms of marketability of athletes in the country, uh, you're talking Elise Perry over the years, Sam Kerr, and, and you know, tragic news in recent days mm. about Sam. Uh, but 
it's right up there in terms of success and the culture that they've built over a long period of time. Uh, the Aussie netballers as well, they just they just keep winning. They win national tournaments. They win international tournaments. Uh, they're very good ambassadors for sport generally uh, in this country. We have Paul Smith, Sydney Kings owner on the line. The Sydney Kings host the New Zealand Breakers this Sunday at Kudos Bank Arena. And they're, they're back with the Sydney Flames. Uh, and it's a doubleheader. This time, they're turning up the heat and going pink. It's their first ever Pink Hoops doubleheader supporting the McGrath Foundation. It's the Flames versus the Lynx at 1.30. The Kings versus the Breakers at 3.45. Uh, Kudos Bank Arena. Let's turn it. Pink is the line. The Pink Hoops doubleheader. Uh, that's two games, one price. This Sunday, tickets 20 bucks. Families $45 at Ticketek. A pink summer holiday, doubleheader with the Kings and the Flames. And we have Paul Smith on the line. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Trent. Good morning, Michael. Uh, talk to us. The, the table as it stands, I mean, there's been stories in recent days. 10 and 10, and I believe sitting in fourth position on the table, mate. Your opinion, just in basketball terms, performance on the season thus far? Yeah, well, look, I think... You know, if you step, take a step back, it means to be at 500 or, you know, 10 wins, 10 losses is, is not where we'd like to have been, uh, not where we thought we'd be um, when we're going into the season. Um, uh, it's a very, this year's, this season's NBL season is very tight, very competitive. Um, you know, you saw last weekend, last place knocked off first place type thing. You know, it's a bit topsy-turvy. So, you know, we're probably part of a trend across the league where it's, it's a tight situation for everyone in that regard. Um, you know, look, we there's no doubt at all, as I said a moment ago, that we, you know, we have higher expectations than that. We're disappointed in it, but you know, we also have to deal with the reality of where we're at. We can't sit around crying about it. The circumstances are that we've got to, you know, the, the team, coaching staff, management, and ownership have to sort of dig in and and um, focus on coming out the other side in the next few games. Every game's critical from here on in. We've got Adelaide on Thursday night, and then we're back in Sydney on Sunday for the doubleheader, which you mentioned. And it's yeah, it's just one of those circumstances we find ourselves in, and you know, it's the beauty of sport. It's it, it is a, a test for us. It's a test for for our organisation, and we'll see how we go. There's obviously been some suggestions over the last couple of days that the coach is under pressure. How, how genuine um, are those reports? Well, it's always interesting when articles refer to unnamed sources. Um, so, um, you know, I certainly, I certainly did not receive an approach from the Daily Telegraph to comment on anything in that regard uh, myself. Uh, our, our position is quite clear. The coach is under pressure. The players are under pressure. The management's under pressure across the board. There's no doubt about that. But we're not focused on uh, anything re- regarding someone's tenure, either a player or a coach point in time that's not that's not the focus at all any pressure that anyone's experiencing is all about performing that's what it's all about it's not about keeping your job uh, unnamed sources uh when when you mention that i'll look at mick and think to myself how many stories have you written over the years and mentioned <laughs> unnamed sources anyway yeah. we'll park that yeah, well, one but uh, <laughs> that, i think that's a fair point i think it's a fair point but as, as mick is now i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty open about things you know yeah, where he's course. sitting here talking now i'm not I don't reside away from these conversations anywhere. If anyone comes to me, any journalist comes to me and asks me these questions, I'll give them an answer. You know, I don't go on background. That's not what I do. Yeah, uh, and to be honest, I was saying as we were about to have you on, I, I love your engagement on social media, uh, your ability to speak frankly and honestly. I think there should be more of it in Australian sports. So kudos for that. 
Uh, what about the attendance numbers? Uh, we've got some data here that it was released yesterday. The NBL is only behind the NBA and the EuroLeague on average attendance numbers. What what do you think? Can you put your finger on why the NBL is on such a high? And particularly the, the relationship of the Kings and Sydney fans is phenomenal right now. Yeah, it is pretty good. You know, and even even with the struggles we've been having on having on court, we're still experiencing extraordinary crowd numbers. And we're, I think I think we're heading towards fifteen twenty percent up on last season our, ourselves alone. So, you know, we're we're I think we're part of a, a trend across the league. Uh, what can you can you put your finger on it? Look, if I could, mate, I would, and then I'd bottle it and I'd sell it. You know, it's <laughs> it's one of those circumstances where you just don't know which part's working, but. I think in a general sense, just basketball continues to grow in popularity. Um, we certainly feel that playing on Christmas night last year and in 2023 and 2022, the last two Christmases has certainly helped boost the profile of the Sydney Kings and basketball in Sydney through this critical January period where people are always looking for something to do, always looking for something to entertain the family at a, at a value price level. And we think we, we fill that bill and of course, we're weatherproof. You know, it doesn't matter what's, what the conditions are outside. Our game goes ahead. We don't have pitch conditions to worry about. So, <laughs> you know, we've got, a, we've got a great advantage there and we, and we work to it. And we're very grateful for the support we're getting. But it's a strong sign across the league generally that, that you know, the attendances are up. It's a, it's a critical figure. You know, obviously, all ratings, television ratings are also key and they're rising as well. But, you know, the, the NBL is still a product that's, that's got a long, long way to go to reach its potential in the television perspective. But... It's great to see that from a physical attendance perspective, you know, we're, we're nailing it across the board. So it's terrific. What about, you mentioned just the Christmas Day game just then. I'm very interested mm. given the, the push with cricket, to which plays all around that day, but not on that day. Mm. Uh, what do you think with a business hat on, with a, you know, an ownership hat on, is it the right call for sports to push into that window? And I guess what do the players think about it? Yeah, we look. We got a. We copped a lot of criticism in 2022 when we when we announced we were playing on Christmas night, and and I can understand that it was a pretty divisive issue, and and it's divisive in the sense that people were well behind it, and others were you know vehemently against it. But we argued, and I think we argued successfully that you know we were filling a void that existed in in Sydney, particularly around that time of year where. You know, a lot of people are looking for something to do in the evenings and, and on Christmas night. And, you know, Christmas Christmas nowadays is not what Christmas was 20 years ago where no shops were open, no garages were open, restaurants weren't open, clubs were open, weren't open, hotels just didn't sort of function properly. You know, today there it's a pretty it's a pretty sort of open sort of situation there. So we feel that we've stepped into that nicely. I can understand why other sports are starting to contemplate it. We certainly took the heat in the early days, and and I think we've proven that there is an actual there's a market there. And uh, you know, of course, we'd love to keep basketball and Christmas and Christmas night synonymous with each other. But I've no doubt that other sports are looking at it. Again, going back to my previous comment about the the weather conditions that we don't have to deal with, I think that's a huge risk for outdoor sports. That you put a lot of effort, a lot of commitment. And it's not a cheap exercise, trust me, to run a game on boxing on Christmas night or Christmas Day for that matter. And if you put yourself at the risk of the weather gods, then you know that's that's a, that's a big factor to play into those considerations. And so, you know, we 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 eliminate that in our circumstance. But I think that's going to be a key consideration for the other sports, though, as they look at it. Just oh, I guess the one thing that always comes through to me, and and this is not an, a player's opinion necessarily, but 
we've got to remember that not everyone celebrates Christmas as well. There's a culture within Australia of inclusivity, multiculturalism. Not everyone is on Christmas Day sitting down with family and opening presents. And I think yeah, that's right. an inclusivity that's, that's approach really is important. really important. Yeah, I agree. And, and look, coming back to the point about players, I think basketball also has this unusual sort of heritage in the fact that Christmas night and Christmas day are huge games in the United States and always held out as sort of the, the sort of the tent pole in that part of the season, so to speak. And, and I think that sort of washes over here a little bit. I think a lot of players like to play, like the idea of playing on Christmas day or Christmas night, because it, it is a high profile game. And we saw, we, we got a view of the television ratings this week and they were pretty extraordinary really relative to a regular season game. You know, it's a very, it's a very well watched game and it's well appreciated. So I think the players buy into it and of course we play in the NBL we play Christmas Eve and we play Boxing Day and anyone that's familiar with the circumstances around teams that travel for sport if you play Boxing Day um, you're traveling Christmas Day you know you're spending the day on the road to get to where you've got to be to because you've got to be in town the night before the game um, and we sort of threaded the needle a little bit this, this past Christmas with the Illawarra Hawks because if they're just local, they could be they didn't have to be in Sydney the night before. They could be at home and then travel up in the morning for the game. So it's a kind of a it was a convenient fit for us. But uh, you know the players, I believe, are well behind what we're doing, and it does it does meet the needs of a very diverse community which Sydney represents. Definitely. Back onto the court, uh, what what have you or, or, or you guys identified that you need to do better to to finish the season strongly? Oh, I think it's defence and four-quarter effort. Um, I think there's no doubt about that. And, uh, and that's a, it's a pretty simple formula. And, you know, those aren't, those aren't things you can, you can just flick a switch. It's got to be people have got to lean into that. And that's been the focus from a coaching perspective and from a, from a, a player perspective as well. So, you know, those formulas are pretty clear and, you know, we'll, we'll move through that. Um, but I think that it's really important to reference this at this point in time that, you know, sports are, sports are passion and trust me, I've had some sleepless nights over the circumstances we found ourselves in the last few weeks, but we need to bring an awful amount of perspective to what we're doing in sport when we consider what we're trying to achieve and what we will achieve on, on Sunday with the pink, pink hoops doubleheader. You know, one of our, you know, one of our dearest, dearest people in our organisation you know, uh, has, is suffering breast cancer, um, Tanya Manga Kakia, and you know, her circumstances are such that she's had to retire medically uh, from playing. She's moved over to our coaching staff. Um, it's a for suffering for breast cancer. It's a huge, huge blow to us. It's, a, it's a obviously an inc- incredible and devastating effect on, on her as a person and her career. Uh, but, you know, we're heavily committed to this, what we're doing with the McGrath Foundation and building the profile. And as I said, it, 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 it brings perspective to what we're trying to do here and and if, if we can get that message across this Sunday that we both teams, the Flames are also at a critical phase of their career of their season with with again in terms of what they're taking on and where they're standing in terms of reaching the finals. Um, so both teams are under enormous pressure, but it does bring a huge amount of perspective to it when we consider the circumstances and the battle that other people are having in their lives as well. Yeah, well said, Paul. Uh, we've had a couple of texts come in since you've been on the line. We've got one in reference to 100,000 people playing NBL Supercoach, which really helps. It's the first time Andy has gone to mm. an NBL game in 15 years, which is great. But then a question from Damien, which we might hit quickly before we let you go. Would the NBL yeah. benefit from offsetting the season potentially with the NBA? It's competing directly with the number one association in the world, and it's hard to watch both leagues. What are your thoughts on that? 
yeah. Well, that would mean that the league, the NBL, would move to winter, and I think that would be a backward step. Um, I think Agreed. many would argue against that. I, I get that, but in my opinion, and my opinion only, and I don't speak for anyone other than myself, but it certainly don't speak for the league. But I, I feel that the that rubbing up against the NBA is actually a really positive thing for us. It puts basketball in the in the mindset. And let's be clear here that the the majority of Australians that are interested in basketball are interested in the NBA, and yeah. We've got to, what we've got to do is sort of bring those people over to the experience of the NBL, like your previous text message said that you know for the first time in 15 years they've gone to a game. That means we're starting to get that right, and I think the product we present in Sydney is is as high quality in terms of anything in the world in regards to presentation, arena, so on and so forth. So I think there's a, I think I hear I hear what your your, your uh, listener is is, is, is saying. Uh, but I think that would be a retrograde step for us. And look, we enjoy this very, very neat window between the basically the NRL and AFL grand finals are over, and the NBL kicks off. And we like to be out of dodge before the season starts. Now, and I, you know, the, both the NFL, NBL, uh, sorry, both the AFL and the NRL have seasons of crept forward due to scheduling and other things, and that's cool. But by that stage, our regular season's completed. And I think we've just got this very neat window right now. It works very well. It certainly works from a broadcaster perspective as well, which is a key consideration. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're starting to see more and more players like LaMelo Ball and, and those guys that are getting drafted, stashed in this league and playing and going back over. And when they get back into the NBA, they're dominating, which is great to see. Mate, I love your work, uh, Paul. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. The Sydney Kings host the New Zealand Breakers this Sunday at Kudos Bank Arena. You can get your tickets through Ticketek. Good luck for the rest of the season, Paul. All the best, guys. Thanks very much, and thanks for your support. Appreciate it. Easy. It is SEN Brecky, Trent Copeland, and Michael Carianis. For those of you north of the border, a reminder that Maccas are proud sponsors of Little Legends, supporting grassroots sport across Queensland. Mick, speaking of Maccas, mm. headline today, McDonald launches never-before-seen menu items in Australia. Now, I want to get your honest opinion on... A fritter that has been described as the ultimate snack of summer. Yes. Yes. Well, I think it depends on where you stand with pineapple on pizza. I'm a fan. Well, you'd be, you, well, I'm not. Okay. I'm not really a, I like pineapple in, in isolation. Yeah. But on my pizza, I'm not uh, loving it. And then looks like they've got a pineapple themed <laughs> of everything that, that, that you could want. <laughs> At, at, at Macca's, there's a pineapple sundae. Pass. Okay. Pineapple fritter. Not for me. But you, <laughs> what about you though? Jeez, like, Macca's, so if you, thanks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if you're a pineapple and pizza guy, you'd probably fall these. I'd like, be, oh, are going to duck in? See, it's not home? something that I would, I would go out of my way to order at McDonald's. Mm. But, uh, you know, when it's on pizza, I like it. And yeah. like you say, as a fruit, it's up there with the best. Uh, but good on Maccas for trying something new. They're obviously struggling and, and reinvigorate <laughs> <laughs> their monopoly on the always market. But always interesting. Hey, tell us what you think on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy about that. Any of the footy stories we've been covering today. The cricket as well, whether Steve Smith should open the batting, is it the right call that Australia have made? But talking about cricket, the Australian women's cricket team, we've got Andrew on the line from Brizzy. You wanting to talk about that team and one particular member. Good morning, Andrew. Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Yeah, I, I just, 
Uh, I listen to you guys a hell of a lot, and I just don't notice the uh, the accolades coming towards Elise Perry for her 300th game. I think we should be celebrating that hugely. That's a massive, massive uh, accomplishment, 300 games for your country. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. I couldn't agree more, we, and thanks for listening regularly. We, we were talking about it yesterday, Jaleesa and I, uh, about the achievement and, and the significance that – and even in the interview after the match, you're saying, well, I, I, there's a potential I could get to 400 while ever I'm feeling like I'm enjoying it and contributing. She is literally one of the most marketable athletes in the entire country, mm. Mick, and has played for a country in football, the Matildas. She scored World Cup goals in quarterfinals, magic yeah. athlete, but also a really great ambassador, inspiring a generation of kids to play sport. Yeah, no doubt. I wonder if it hasn't got the airtime potential that it deserves because it's happened overseas as well and not the, the greatest time slot potentially. But, no, you're right, Andrew. 300 games uh, for Australia across all the formats is remarkable. Yeah, great player and uh, great call, Andrew. Thanks for ringing in. Time now for the news. Thanks, Nathan. We're here for Bing Lee, better living every day, and we're also powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Racing action continues every day across the Sunshine State. Let's check in with Racing Queensland's Chris Nelson, who is on the line. Good morning to you, Chris. Good morning, Trent. Good morning, Michael. Uh, the Magic Millions draw yesterday, mate. Tell us what happened. Yeah, yeah well, I can tell you it was, uh, ooh, I'd say, about 94% humidity down the beach there at Surface Paradise. <laughs> it was absolutely stifling. Uh, and we had the barrier draw, of course, for the two feature races on Saturday, the Magic Millions two-year-old Classic and the Magic Millions three-year-old Guineas. Uh, as for how the favourites fared in the two-year-old Classic, well, the favourite Storm Boy drew barrier 10. So I, I think it's got all to, or more to do with the pace that's drawn inside Storm Boy, and there doesn't look to be a great deal of it. So I think he'll be able to get across okay, and I think he's clearly the horse to beat for uh, Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Pott. But uh, there's plenty out there. They're happy to take him on and go with a couple of others. So we'll see what happens. But it was a great morning, guys. It always is. If you haven't ever done that, it's a bucket list thing. It's just a great atmosphere down on Surface Beach. Everyone was sweating up a storm, I can tell you. <laughs> is that from experience, Chris? <laughs> uh, what about tips today? Well, we raced at Durban today. Look, this rain just sort of keeps hanging around. Even if you look at the radar now, it's off the coast. And whether it crosses the coast, uh, remains to be seen, but we are on a heavy eight track at Doom. But just a couple to keep an eye on. Uh, race three, number four, Island Magic, is a uh, filly trained by Tony Gollan, our leading trainer. Uh, she resumed a couple of, um, about a month or so ago, six weeks ago, and she just got too far back before running on. She's had a trial since. She loves the wet ground. I think she can return to the winner's list. Race three, number four. And let's just go back a race. Don't know if this one will handle the ground, but it's only had the one start. A filly by the name of Caxton Lass, who was favourite on debut. Everything went wrong. They sent her for a break, and she just caught the eye in a recent barrier trial. I love the way she found the line there. So has been a bit of money around for her this morning. Race two, number 10, Caxton Lass. Love your work, Chris. You can check out racingqueensland.com.au for where Queensland is racing today. What are you up to today for the rest of the day? i got to do form. Heaps of form. I've got a meeting to do for, uh, obviously, Magic Millions meeting, which is 11 races. The final fields will come out this morning for Saturday. And I've got to do some form for a meeting at a place you might not have heard of, guys, called Home Hill on Friday, which is just around the Mackay area at the base of the Whit Sunday. So it would be a nice place to be. Oh, half your luck, mate. Well, have a great day. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Pleasure, guys. Chat Friday. 
Cheers. Uh, Mick, there's been plenty coming in on the text line, but mm. a story that I wanted to touch on just before we hit the next break. Canterbury has secured the future of local junior and cross-code sensation Mitchell Woods. 17-year-old Harold Matz, premiership-winning captain, signed an extension which will keep him at Belmore until 2027 after joining the Bulldogs from the Sydney Swans last year. Interested to know a little bit more about Mitchell Woods and if you do know anything. If you don't, feel free to say, I know nothing and I can't wait to watch him too. <laughs> no, I've heard his name around. I haven't seen him play yet, but he, he was a guy that obviously, you know, was at the Swans, right? So yep. he's got that um, cross-code uh, ability, but the Bulldogs have done well. And 2027, he'll still be young. You know, whether or not he's played first grade by then, that would be the hope probably in that last year or by 26, he, he can play for some first grade. But, uh, you know, he was a, a junior in demand, so the Bulldogs have done well to retain him. And the reason we talk about that is because there's a few texts coming in on the back of your NRL previews on the Rabbitohs and the Titans. There's a, a text that's come in from Frank. Mick, surely Seraldo must be under pressure. We were talking about your three coaches that might be under yeah, pressure. two and no, a half. We'll go two and a half. Okay, two and a half. <laughs> uh, no improvement last year despite all the big signings. No with Crichton. No excuses for Seraldo. Uh, surely, Frank, the shark tank. I think it'd have to be a calamity for Cameron Seraldo to, you know, his future to come into question. I get it. They didn't improve and they had a poor year last year, Canterbury, and they have to improve this year, but um, I think it will take something drastic for his position to come under question. Yeah, fair call. 0457 736 736 is the number to get in touch with us on the Edgewater Homes text line. This one on Steve Smith uh, from Willow from Windsor. If we're two for 20, I feel so safe with Smith walking out to the crease. It's a change in the batting order I just don't think needed to happen. What do you think about that? You're a cricket lover? Yeah, I, it does make the middle order very vulnerable mm. when you take Steve Smith out of it naturally. Um, and then, you you know, you, you've got your faith in green head marsh. Mm. It's different. It's different. But we, we've seen, I, I think it, the point that you made earlier was spot on, right? They've got absolute faith that they probably didn't have in that middle order before in terms of Travis Head and Mitchell Marsh to allow Cam Green to come into that side. If that batting unit was struggling, then they might have gone for a more experienced um, opener and kept Steve Smith in in that middle order. So no doubt um, having um, Steve Smith in that middle order shores it up. But it's going to be interesting to see. And that's going to make this Windies series compelling when it probably wasn't going to be as exciting to, to watch. Yeah, lots of anticipation coming up to this series. So I, the thing that I was thinking about was we play New Zealand away. Yeah. And then, and then next summer we've got India here for a massive test series. Uh, if a bowler on an opposition team bowls the house down in the first five overs mm. and bowls four unplayable balls, two of them take wickets, and two of them knock over Smith and Manus in those first four yeah. overs, and Australia are then needing that middle order to get us out of that trouble, you know, much to the point of that text message that just came in. I wonder, but. We need to figure that out. Yeah. Because no these doubt. guys aren't going to be around forever. No doubt. No so doubt. that's where my, my mind goes to. Uh, this is an interesting one just on play, playing players out of position. It goes for all sports, I think. But uh, not a fan of playing players out of position. This is the pinnacle of the sport. The best we have available at the position should be in. Is Smith really the best opener in our country? He's our best number four. 
probably our second best number three. You could argue he's the best ever number three, uh, I guess, around that ponting conversation. It would be only delaying the inevitable, bringing in a new opener, which should have happened this summer on a home deck. I guess you're arguing that the next best opener should be afforded the opportunity against the West Indies. And no yeah. disrespect, man to the West Indies, but in terms of world order right now, they're not at the pin. It's a at soft launch. <laughs> it is, yeah. you know, to, um, to get in on home deck against the West Indies, you take that if you're a newcomer coming into the team. Um, I don't know. It's, you know, we see play, if we talk about rugby league, we see players shifted positions all the time. When you try and get Tom Travojevic into that New South Wales origin side, well, he needs to be in there. Yeah. Latrell Mitchell, you know, so I'm okay with it. If it makes the side overall better. Yeah, and I guess the question is always, are we making our team better by doing this? And if Cameron Green coming in as a young player that could be there for the next 15 years is part of the thinking and it works, it's going to be a good decision. Uh, But only time will tell. Loving your texts coming in. Keep getting us on the phone. 1300 011170, that Suncorp open line. Time now for a break. Summer Brecky here on SEN. Trent Copeland with Michael Carianis this morning. Filling in for Vossi and Brandy because do they ever work? Uh, we're not sure. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the show uh, that the TV show Sopranos began back on this day in 1999. It got us chatting off air about some of the TV shows and other things that we feel nostalgic about. Uh, good lead in for our nostalgic segment. Thanks to Mate Internet and Mobile. $20 off for five months with Mate Internet. Use promo code SAVE20. The Sopranos, mm. one of your favourites. One of my favourites. And 1999, I wasn't watching The Sopranos, but it was one of those ones where once it finished, I sort of binged it. Yeah. Um, I used to work at Blockbuster. Did so, you? Yep, yep. Thriving industry. Um, <laughs> that and print, print journalism going well. <laughs> You've made uh, some good choices. Uh, yeah, so it's got the box set, watched it, and was hooked. Yeah, um, I, I, I didn't get into Soprano, as I said before, but my nostalgia comes from when I was a kid and watching all sorts of sports. Yeah. I used to have football jerseys, and like soccer jerseys, mm. that is, and cricket in particular. Yeah. As a kid growing up, I used to have, you know, the nostalgia came from the Michael Bevan, Miller Champ and Hall yep. cricket bat when he raised it up. Uh, we were talking about Tiger Woods and Nike yeah. separating yesterday. That, that sort of thing led me to think nostalgia um, and... Particularly, you know, you were talking about the grey nickels yeah, and things I like always that. Wanted to, and I, got, I always wanted the grey nickels back because Michael Slater was my favourite yeah. cricketer. Um, so, you know, when you know when I was playing cricket, I had a grey nickels back. Yeah, and I would never tell him. I work with him now on Channel 7, but I'd never tell Greg Blewett, uh, mind you, I'm about to do it on air, so I'll probably hear it, uh, that he was my favourite cricketer yeah. growing up. He and Damien Martin. So I was... Flashy, look cam- at you. Campaigning my parents. Uh, to get me those cricket bats, yeah. the, the Damien Martin Diablo and the and the Grey Nichols Ultimum, um, yeah, those are the days. There's your nostalgia for mate internet and mobile. We've Who was your lot... bat sponsor, Copes? Uh, I had a few over the years because I never scored any <laughs> runs. They wanted to, sh- yeah, yeah, great idea. Let's get involved, and then I couldn't hit one off the square, so they moved you on. Used to How many first class entries did score? One. One. There yeah, you go. and it was a while ago. That's but uh, most recently, GM. Uh, they were good to me. They were good. They got me to the end of the career. one one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. What is your nostalgic moment from your childhood or when you're thinking back about 
sport in reference to Tiger Woods and Nike, or even just nostalgia in general with the Sopranos and things like that. Get in touch with us on the Suncorp open line, one 1170 or 0457 736 736. Plenty of texts flowing in this morning. Mick, what's on the top of the queue there? Um, a lot of discussion around pineapple. Oh, yes. <laughs> the big G. I'm with Michael um, in regards to pineapple. So I was not a Against. fan of pineapple on my food. I like pineapple as a standalone entity, but not in, <laughs> not in my food. Uh, not in on top of my meals. Um, this is an interesting question here from Michael from... Uh, four six one Trent. Do you know if many junior cricketers specialise as openers? From what I've seen, the best batters will bat at either three or four. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, generally in junior cricket, the players that have the most natural talent and ability will bat in the top four. Uh, not necessarily just opening, but uh, coaches at the junior level are also not the you know their parents their mm, managers yeah. they're not experienced coaches so they will often just put the player that loves the game has a temperament and a decent technique up at the top but when you're starting to get into representative cricket and pathways and things like that it, it's often spoken about that batting at number five and six you won't be looked at yeah so batting right. in the top four opening down to number four uh, even at state cricket for players that are being looked at to play at the next level, it's often spoken about that way. So I don't think it's a hard and fast rule, um, but always encouraged to be batting at the top and testing yourself. Uh, Gary sent us a text saying, um, so my mum shares a birthday with Rod Stewart. So hopefully um, you wish your mum a very happy birthday, Gary, from all of us here. And sent with a gentle effect. That's nice. Yes. <laughs> that is what, nice. What about this one, Simon? People who, who put pineapple on pizza should be placed on a terror watch list. It's a bit harsh. Wow. I've been caught a lot of things in my life. Uh, that's Terrorist? harsh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that that's is up harsh. there. Yeah, that is harsh. Uh, g'day, boys. This one from Joseph in Brisbane. If, Bran if Bancroft is overlooked, then it's not fair to say that form from the Sheffield Shield is irrelevant. Yeah. This is the thing, right? So and we mentioned it off the top this morning. There's been Kim Hughes, Mitch Johnson, a lot of former cricketers and, and a lot of public rhetoric that says that it's a slap in the face of the shield yeah. if Bancroft doesn't get picked. Well, Marcus Harris has churned out run after run after run in the shield for many years. So has Cameron Bancroft. So it's certainly not a slight on them. But Cameron Green's been away playing in a World Cup. He's yeah. been representing Australia in other formats. He's played test cricket. And he's also played one Shield game this year, and he got 93 in that. And he's been batting in the top four for basically his entirety of his career since he started. So, look, I just think it's, yes, there's a great resume being put forward by Cameron Bancroft, but keep doing it. Yeah. And if you do keep doing it, I think it's an absolute myth. Let me bust a myth for you that Andrew McDonald, George Bailey, and the Australian selection group, Tony Dottomade, would have a blacklist on Cameron Bancroft because of Sandpaper Gate or what's happened in the past. Just not the case. So let's just acknowledge that there's some blokes out there putting up really good resumes that unfortunately in the Australian cricket team, it's hard to crack into. Mm. And Steve Smith is a bloody good cricketer. He moves up to the top of the order. Cameron Green, potentially one of our greatest all-rounders when he finishes his career, if things go right. So that's where we're at. And it's unfortunate for Cameron Bancroft and numerous others. Uh, Matt Renshaw included. So 
It's a tough one, but that's my opinion. Yeah, but we've got some more text rolling in around nostalgia. Uh, Big G, MASH. Oh. You, you, and, you and a bit of MASH guy. I've seen it on a lot, but yeah. never watched it. I'm, I'm the same. <laughs> I'm the same because I used to play it a million times on TV and it used to be on. Yeah. So, but no, I have never watched an episode. We were sitting down in the uh, in the room with getting dressed uh, last week for the Sydney test and talking about the bold and the beautiful. Oh, yeah. Do you, did you ever watch that? Well, my grandmother used to watch it. Me too, yeah. So that's where like, I would know all. like I'd And you know there's still a lot of the same characters still going. Yes, yes. The, yeah. the love triangle with Brooke and... <laughs> Yeah, anyway. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. There, talk about nostalgia. Uh, we are here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Bryden's Lawyers. Summer Brecky here on SEN. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness? Contact Bryden's Lawyers. It's Trent Copeland and Michael Karianis with you for the morning. Mick, the text line has been flowing all it's morning. Let's hit a couple more before we go. Morning, gents. How about this? In five years, it'll be 40 years since the Simpsons hit our TV. That's from wow. Joel. Interesting. Did you used to watch that when you were? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was probably before MASH. They played MASH into the Simpsons on Channel 10 <laughs> back in the day. That's probably where we saw MASH. That's true. <laughs> uh, this one from the Reptile. G'day Shaggers. MC, everybody keeps saying if Turbo stays on the field, the Seagulls will have a good season. But after all these injuries, do you think Turbo's going to be the same player? I don't think he can be the same. Yeah, it was interesting. He didn't look like he was running freely at times last year. Mm. Uh, but, you know, everyone assured me at Manly it was more of a confidence thing, more than a physical thing. So hopefully, I think he can be. I think he's still young enough and he's still, he's such an elite player that he can be, get back to that level again. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the show for the morning. It's been great to have your company here on SEM. But of course, don't go anywhere. There's sport all day to talk about. We've got the Aussie test team potentially being named in a couple of hours. You'll hear that first here on SEM. Julian King, out of nine o'clock this morning, he's going to have Alex Doolan and Grace Gill on the show. Mick, what are you up to for the rest of the day? Council cleanup tomorrow, mate. So I'm uh, us too. I'm, oh yeah, there you <laughs> yeah. go. So if anyone's got anything, they can drop them off at our house <laughs> on the lawn. Just put them there nicely. Uh, straight to work for me. <laughs> so uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us this morning here on SEN Summer Brecky.